morning's reading is from Matthew, chapter 1, starting at verse 18. And it's found on page 965 of the Red Pew Bibles. So Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus for us. And Lord, we pray for Kai now as he comes to speak to us and bring the things that you've put on his heart. God, would you empower him and enable him to pour out all all that you've given him, all that he knows of you and that you want to bless us with today. And we pray that you'd speak through him and bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Elaine, and good morning, lovely people. It is lovely to be here, and congratulations for making it. It is an horrible day outside. Um, I say that with a capital H. Horrible it is. It is vile outside, so well done on being here this morning. And if you make it to the carol service this evening, a double gold star for each and every one of you for coming out tonight as well. Um, And it is lovely to see our Advent candles nearly all lit up other than Christmas Day. And I confess, when I was a kid, I loved it. When the Advent candles came out, I loved it. And I loved each week watching each candle being lit because it really signified how much closer Christmas was coming. Now, it fills me with dread with how much it is that I've got to do. And as the candles get lit, I realise every year now just how far behind I am with it all. But as some of you know already and have said out loud, today we lit a candle in memory of 
Mary. And I know last week Mark spoke about Mary, but our reading this week concerns not so much Mary, but her main squeeze, Joseph. And Joseph is a fascinating guy. Last week we had our Mega Nativity, which was an awesome service, and Joseph was played so ably by Rod Rakes. When I was a kid, Joseph was the role I always wanted to play in the Nativity because it's top bill. It's the starring role. He is the governor. It's the main lead role, other than Jesus, who was always a tiny tears doll, so didn't count. I wanted to be Joseph. And year upon year, when the roles were announced for who was doing what in the Nativity play, it never came to me. Sure, I was a shepherd and I was a good crack. I was also a wise man, which I despised because I wanted to wear a crown and my mother said I had to look authentic. So she gave me a floppy hat and one of her dresses and I had to walk down the looking like that. So I was a shepherd, a wise man, a shepherd, a wise man. And then finally, finally, one year, I became Joseph. And I took my place. I had my tea towel on my head. I was the epitome of Joseph. But it was in rehearsals that something dawned on me. And that is the role of Joseph in the nativity is absolutely rubbish. (laughs) To begin with, Joseph has no dialogue. In a normal traditional nativity service, Joseph doesn't say anything. And unlike the majority of characters in the Christmas story, he's the one who says no words at all. In fact, Joseph and his whole role in scripture is limited to these verses. We know so little about him. Mary, we know a good bit about. We know, of course, about her role there at Jesus' birth, and we know that he was, she was there at his crucifixion as well. We know that she was there at his first miracle and followed him throughout his journey. But Joseph, we know nothing about. It could have been that he died. It could have been that he wasn't bothered. We just don't know. He said nothing. On top of that, I was forced to play Joseph with a girl called Mary, or Donna playing Mary. Now, a few years ago, I met up with Donna. And let's put it this way. I'm five foot seven. Donna is six foot two. And I went through a growth spurt at some point as a teenager, which Donna didn't need to be. So as we stood next to each other, it looked ridiculous. Her up there, me down there. And I stood there for 45 minutes, gormlessly, with nothing to do. Joseph is a rubbish role in a nativity. But the thing about Joseph is, he didn't really need to say anything. Because he was the kind of guy that put his words into action. He was the kind of guy who did all his talking by the things that it is that he did. And even from these short texts, we get something of an insight into the real kind of person that Joseph was. And from there we see why it was that he, along with Mary, were chosen to be the parents of the Messiah and why he can serve as an inspiration to us as well. Someone who we can really learn on. 
You see, the first thing that we see about Joseph from this reading is he was a man full of compassion. You know, in church, we use the word love all the time. We are meant to love each other. We are meant to love our neighbor. We are meant to be all about love. But sometimes we miss compassion as being part of that mix. Compassion is unique in its own way. And it's something we don't always practice quite so efficiently. You see, you have to love your neighbor. You have to love. It's a commandment. But to have compassion, even though it's a part of love, you don't necessarily have to do. So often, we show compassion to those people who we really do love, those people who we really do like, those people who we really get on with, and those who we struggle to perhaps will show less compassion to. And that's human nature. We're often drawn to people who we have something in common with, someone who is kind to us, and we share it in return. But the scriptures tell us that we are to love all. And if compassion is part of love, we are to show compassion to all. Let me tell you the tale of two Bennets. Beth and Bennett, who isn't here today, our pastoral assistant is an incredible human being. She is lovely, she is kind, she is patient, she is brilliant and such a joy to be around. Sam Bennett, our worship pastor, on the other hand, is a despicable human being. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, well, don't poor Sam him, I'll tell you for why. This Wednesday, I woke up to get my car and somebody had written in the back of it the words, clean me vicar. And Sam, Sam Bennett was seen in the vicinity at the same time. And I still haven't washed it off. But it is there. So Sam and Bethan, one lovely, one utterly despicable. However, if both are in the same need, they are entitled to the same level of compassion. Because as humans, sometimes we are more inclined to give compassion to the one who we really like the one who is kind to us and not so much to the one who we struggle with. Joseph gives compassion to Mary. And in one sense, you can think, oh, lovely, he's given compassion to lovely Mary. But when we really break it down and put it into the context of what was happening, she, at this point in the reading, was not deserving of any compassion at all. You see, Mary and Joseph were betrothed to be together. And sometimes in this modern world, we interpret that as being a kind of engagement. But it wasn't. It was more than an engagement. It was like a halfway to marriage. But there were certain things that they couldn't do. And making babies was one of those things. So, when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, at that point... She was despicable. And it wasn't just because she was pregnant. She was a breaker of the law. She had broken the law of Moses in his mind in doing this kind of thing. And there was only one punishment that she was due. And that was to be stoned to death 
for this crime. She did something that was utterly wrong, not just in the eyes of the law, but in the eyes of Joseph as well, because he was said to be a righteous man. But instead of doing what was the so-called righteous thing, turning her to the authorities and seeing justice play its course, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. He had compassion upon her. And even though she, and again at this point of what he knew, broke his heart, broke the law, broke their vows, broke everything, he still had it in mind to go through the marriage and gently get rid of her so that no harm would come upon her. That is phenomenal when you think about it. She, again in his mind, had treated him in this way, but he still had it in mind to divorce her quietly. And it shows not just the compassion that there is in Joseph's heart, but perhaps a correct response for us when we come against things that we disagree with, that we struggle with, things of theology, things of the scriptures that we see other people doing that we don't like, to disagree with them but still show compassion at the same time. So often when we see something that we don't like, we stomp our feet and say, no, that is wrong, wrong, wrong. And maybe it is. But that doesn't take away the need of compassion as well. And that is the compassion that Joseph showed to Mary in this place. And that is the same compassion that Christ manifested in his earthly ministry. We take it sometimes for granted that Jesus surrounded himself with tax collectors and prostitutes and all the other no-goods of society. It's a nice tale to tell. But we forget that the tax collectors were despicable people. We get that the prostitutes, again, were seen in the same way. All these people were seen not just as the worst of society and the dregs, but evil people because of the things that they were doing wrong. They weren't nice people. The tax collectors taking more money than they needed to take wasn't a nice thing. But when they were in need, Jesus had compassion upon their hearts. When the Pharisee was in need, like Nicodemus, as we read in John's Gospel, Jesus had compassion for him the same. Whether we like someone, whether we don't like someone, whether someone is kind, whether someone is a lawbreaker, whether somebody follows the way we read the Bible or whether somebody doesn't, it doesn't stop the need for compassion to flow. And this is why the Lord chose Joseph because of that compassion. And if there's one thing I really think we need to see in the world right now, and it's not just because it's Christmas, it is more compassion. Anybody who reads Twitter will know it's a den. Anybody who follows social media will see that the words compassion don't often flow. Anyone who even watches the news, reads opinion pieces in tabloids, or even broadsheet newspapers will see that compassion isn't really a byword for where we are as people. But it is something that we need to share, and it's something that we need to model to the world to show that there is another way, a more loving way, a more kind way, 
the way of Jesus. Joseph had compassion in his heart and we need to have that same level of compassion as well and need to build our reputations on being loving, compassionate people so that when people see us, they will see Christ at work. But it doesn't stop there. Joseph had it in mind to divorce Mary quietly. He goes to bed and he has a dream. An angel appears to him to the dream and it's all put right. And again, we can read these standard things that we read year upon year and almost overlook them. But the fact that Joseph went to bed and had this dream where the angel appeared showed that he had an open spirit. He had a spirit that was open to God. And let's not forget, this is a freaky thing to happen. Angels appearing, or dreams or not dreams, isn't a daily occurrence. It is a freaky thing. It is a supernatural thing. But Joseph was open to it. A few weeks ago, we were talking about the Holy Spirit at the Alpha course. And one of the things I was sharing about my experience with the Holy Spirit when I was certainly a younger man was the fact that I was terrified of it. I was terrified of the Holy Spirit and who he was. And I didn't want anything to do with it. When I went to church, I'd see people with their hands in the air. I'd see people speaking in tongues. I'd see people falling over on occasion. I'd see people telling stories of miracles. And I used to think, that's lovely, but it's not for me. I don't want any of that because it freaked me out. On an occasion, I was almost a bit scared about going to church in case these sorts of things happened to me. What I didn't realize is these things don't happen if our hearts aren't ready for them to happen. God's spirit is a gentleman and he only moves when we are open to him. But when we are open to him, incredible things can happen. Joseph had an open heart to the Lord. He had a heart that was open to experience the supernatural. He had a heart that was open to have his mind changed. He had a heart that was open to God and his leanings. He had an open heart. Again, for us sometimes, even as experienced Christians, it is very easy to close our hearts It is very easy to think we've got it all sorted. We know what we're doing and close our hearts to what it is that God wants to do with us and through us. But God is still speaking. God is still revealing himself. God is still sending his angels to speak to us now. God is still inspiring our dreams. God is still inspiring our thoughts. God is still giving prophetic messages. God is still pouring out his healing grace. God is moving now as he did in those days and as he did in the time of Jesus. If we want to see these things happen, the simple rule is we need to be open for these things to happen. 
skip forward some 33 years ahead of these events and we see Jesus in his earthly ministry and we see Jesus doing all these incredible things. We see him casting out demons. We see him healing the sick. We see him preaching the good news to those in need of hearing the good news. But when we look at the scriptures really closely, we can think maybe that Jesus just goes to town to town seeing a sick person healing them. But actually, mostly what happens is Jesus sees a sick person who comes to him and said, Lord, will you heal me? Jesus sees someone who is demonized, who's in need of healing, who someone says, Lord, can you help us? Jesus doesn't enforce himself on anyone. Jesus doesn't go on to someone who doesn't want it and say, right, you're having this. It's all about the openness. And here's the truth of it for us now. If we want to hear the angels sing, if we want to have the dreams, if we want to have all of these things happening, we need to be a church that is open for these things to happen. If we really want to see the supernaturals happen, if we want more testimonies to happen, if we want to hear stories of healings, if we want to hear stories of breakthrough, if we want to hear stories of God at work, and that could be in anything, by the way, not just in healing, then we need to be open. Our hearts need not be closed. And we need to say and put our simple, childlike faith in God and say, Lord, come. Lord, speak to us. Lord, have your way in us. Because again, it is so easy to be closed off to all those things. It is so easy to think, I know what I'm doing. I know my Bible inside and out. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I know everything that I need to know. But we're all just learning day upon day, drawing close to God on this journey. All of us are on a journey of discovery with what God is doing. And if we are to keep walking on this journey, our hearts need to be open. Joseph's heart was open to God. And that's why the angel appeared to him. And that's why everything changed. We don't know what would have happened if he wasn't that way. We don't know what would have happened if he'd gone to bed that night and said, right, I can't wait to divorce that Mary. We don't know what would have happened. But we are thankful that he was open because it brought about a change for us all. And then you see this other thing, this final thing in this reading which speaks a lot about Joseph's character. We know that he was compassionate and we know that he was open, but we also know that he was faithful because he took that compassion and he took that openness and he put it into action. He went through with the marriage. He married Mary. Together, they went on the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. From Bethlehem, they went to Egypt, and then from Egypt back to Nazareth. All the way through, 
He was there. He was faithful. He knew he had a job to do. And most importantly, he did it. He didn't just talk about it. He actually did it. Talking is easy. Dreaming is easy. Thinking is easy. Doing is something else. We are called to be people who will think, dream, talk, don't get me wrong, pray, certainly. But we're also called to be people who do. And that's not just listen to words about compassion. It's about being compassionate. It's not just about listening about words about being open. It's about actually making the decision to be open. And it's about making a decision to follow God and be faithful to him whatever the cost. I wonder what Joseph's parallel life would have been. In a parallel life, he could have divorced Mary very quietly, got married to someone else, stayed in Nazareth, and probably had a much happier, easier life. But his faithfulness to God meant that that was never going to happen. He was going to do things God's way. And we are called to do the same. And for us as a church, coming to the end of this year and going into a new year, that is especially important. Last year, we did a lot of thinking. We did a lot of praying as we kind of recovered from COVID restrictions, really, and gathered back together, thinking about praying, about the kind of church we want to be, where we're heading, what we want to do next, and how we want to reach out and build God's kingdom. We wrote a mission action plan which came out in October. That's the easy bit. Talking about it, praying, writing the words down, all easy. Guess what? Next year we've got to do it. And the year after, we've got to do it. And the year after that, we've got to do it as well. We've got to put that into action. And that's not just me putting into action. It's not Elaine putting into action. It's not the despicable Sam putting into action. It is every one of us. Because this is how Joseph serves as such a good example. He didn't have words. He was a normal man from Nazareth. He was a carpenter, metal worker, perhaps best translated. But he was called by God. And as Joseph was called by God... Each and every one of us is called by God as well. As Joseph was called by God with a task, so the Lord gives us a task as well to build the kingdom of God in Arboristwith, to build the kingdom of God in the communities where we live in, to see more people come to faith, to see more people be healed, to see more people have emotional breakthroughs, to see more people know that they are loved to see more people have compassion put upon them. This is what we are called to do. Now we've got to crack on and actually do it. Let us have a reputation for people who talk, but let us have a reputation for people who do. And let us be Joseph's as well. Be inspired by the story of Joseph. And may the Lord move in the same way that he moved in him. Amen.